So you have institutions. This is where I think you see some clashes is you have institutions built for the long haul mm-hmm. living in a world that only understands what's about a foot and a half in front, front of their of face. face. Yeah. Welcome to the Salty Pastor here on a Thursday afternoon in Boise, Idaho. I'm here with Pastor and Dr. Douglas Peak. My name is Harvey Friesen. I'll be your host here today. Jesse Mayer is out uh, this week, and so I have the privilege of being able to stand in here on Thursday with you. Uh, Pastor Doug, good to be with you here this afternoon. Well, it's good to be here, everybody. I'm so glad you guys are joining us. And if you listen to Tuesday's podcast, you got to hear everything that Pastor Harv has been digging into in Philippians uh, chapter chapter one, kind of beginning with verse 19, all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 30, did a great job of kind of illuminating all of those biblical principles. Lemons and lemonade, baby. I mean, that's just it. I mean, we do take those biblical principles and we take, and in there we talked about delaying gratification. The apostle Mm -hmm. Paul saw the kingdom of God and he knew that one wins. And yeah. so he staked everything on the future of the win that would be that. In fact, staked his whole life on that and his whole ministry on that. Today we're going to talk about uh, practical implications. Yes. What goes on in a culture in a culture that has abandoned those truths, has abandoned that fortitude, and lives for the here and the now— Especially when you have things like institutions that were built for the long run. I mean, you think mm-hmm. about the big blocks, right? I mean, you have you have the justice system built for the long view. You have the education system yeah. built for the long mm-hmm. view. You have the government that was there to sustain not itself, but to actually sustain it's for the people, other people, by, by the, the people, people to sustain a life of liberty. liberty. Mm-hmm. Right, that whole goal of liberty and that 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 concept of that. So you have institutions. This is where I think you see some clashes. Is you have institutions built for the long haul, mm-hmm. living in a world that only understands what's about a foot and a half in front, front of, of their its face. face. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's interesting is that what a lot of people don't realize is in the founding of our nation, it was an experiment, and the experiment was basically like this, and that is is that uh, people can govern themselves. And up to this point, most people don't realize that was a radical idea because most people were considered sheep and they needed to be ruled and controlled. And because of that, this notion that of self-government was just a crazy idea. Nobody had ever done it, never really succeeded anymore. A lot of historians would say that the impetus of this, the seed that was planted that brought this concept of our constitution was in 1215, the 13th century in the Magna Carta. Yep. Didn't work very well, had a lot of problems, but it planted that seed and ultimately it came to fruition. And what's really fascinating is that America was founded on a set of values. And that's what's really important to understand. And what happened is, well, if these values are reflected in certain principles, then we must build institutions around these principles. So our justice system, right, became known as a woman balancing the scales. And what does she have over her eyes? She's blindfolded. She's blindfolded, meaning equal justice under the the law and that that was such a critical principle of the value where did what was the value that it was built on all men are created what equal equal so if all men 
are sovereign, equal, free individuals, then they have a right to equality under the law. And that right's a God-given right, not a state-given right. Exactly. And that's what's so critical about the founding of our nation. Most people don't realize is that the first principle, what we're going to do is we are not going to say that it is our nation or state that gives you rights and identity. We are going to recognize the God-given rights, the creator rights. They're already there, inalienable. They're unalienable. Cannot be taken away. They can they never be taken already away. in there. So you said that the institutions are built were built on values mm-hmm. that were those values. Uh, it, it seems that we have traded the concept of values for ideologies. Yes, that and that's fair? yeah, very help insightful. Us, yeah, before you get into that, uh, uh, help me understand what's the difference between a value and an ideology? Is there a okay. distinction? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, absolutely, and that is this: is that the the value is that worldview. Okay. Okay. In other words, well, one thing that I talk on the salty pastor a lot, and I think people get kind of, uh, it's like, oh, there he goes again, but it's so necessary. And that is, it all comes down to your worldview is what is the definition of what it means to be a human being? Yes. See now, inherent value. You, yeah. So where value does, starts with inherent value. Exactly. Okay. And that it's like, I have to define what it means to be alive. So, I have to define sentience. And so a value that's a, a value. And then an ideology is a different worldview built on different values. Got it. So the values become malleable depending upon your ideology. So, so regard so in some ideologies since they don't have the value of individual sovereignty, right? Right. Their ideology removes individual sovereignty. Communism, Marxism it. is a perfect example of that. Yeah, totally. Okay, so 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 then what what I'm hearing just cuz I, you know, if maybe I, all of you out there in in YouTube land or in podcast <laughs> land, you know, are as thick-minded as I am is so value is inherent value. And derived from that are what we, what we would call natural law values as well that comes with that human that human being personal agency self sovereignty as you talked about yeah the the, mm-hmm. the, the 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 you know I get to breathe air I don't have to thank you for the air I'm breathing it was here already before you came mm-hmm. ideology comes in and starts to put in could we use the word manipulate those natural law or those natural values, those inherent values that ideologies come in and they're sort of man derived ideas on that value. How does that well, work? Well, ideologies are, uh, frameworks okay. by which you express your values. Okay. And so what, what happens is that's why your ideology can be critically important because in some cases, an ideology like Marxism negates those values. Yeah, uh, is, is in so other words, don't, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, people yeah. become chattel. They become exactly meaningless. They they are taking up space. They're, they're wards of the state. Air, they're they're wards of the state. Yeah, we own you. We own what you think. Yeah, we tell you what to think. We own you. We own what you wear, and so you're so you become insignificant in the needs of the collective. Which is why. Christianity, true biblical mm-hmm. Christianity, is dangerous to the state. Super dangerous. Because what it does is it says God loves everybody as what? An individual. You're sovereign. So your salvation, Christ died, the, you know, the king of the universe, Christ died for you, you. Um, for everyone and you. And this is what's so amazing about the gospel and why it's so threatening to governments is because what it does is it produces a mass amount of independent thinkers. Yeah, which is not what ideologues prefer Yeah, because they, ha- they have their own ideas about 
what you should think. Yeah, and you know the most dangerous thing to an ideological government, to communism, to all of these things, the most dangerous things to them are martyrs. And that's what you talked about on Tuesday. Mm. You said people die Paul, for the cause. Pa- yeah. Paul, he says, I'll die for the cause. If I die, it's a win. And if I stay here for you, it's a win. You brought that out really yeah, well, right. I thought. Yeah. And and that yeah. that is the most threatening thing to state control and is, is people who will live out their convictions and be willing to be martyred. As a matter of fact, Martin Luther King's entire value premise of how he changed our society was based on that. And this is what he said over and over again. He said, we will willingly break unjust laws because you were you brought up natural law because there's a greater law that makes this an unjust law. But to show you that it's unjust, we're going to break it and then we're going to pay the penalty. He said, that's what's so interesting is you don't want to escape the penalty because that's the only way you show it's unjust. And that's, he he articulated this in one of his most famous writings, the letter from the Birmingham jail. Mm, Right. So interestingly enough is that Again, from a prison, right? Yeah. You are, because from a prison, he wrote that. Constrict yeah. the freedom yeah. of those people that are believers to the point of they're willing to die for. Yeah, and right? we're at a great insight. So, and I think what what's really important in your in your conver- or your question about the ideology and values is that this is really really important to understand is that our original institutions, right, our justice system, in the basic the First Amendment, right, right, uh, are are educational system all of those things were based on those original core values right and now a new ideology has come in and so what it's doing is it's using the institutions right yeah to eradicate the values and that's, and, imp- that's interesting because the, the, the institution built on the value to begin with is now turned into being the club that beats down or crushes the value exactly that's exactly right well, and what's so fascinating mm. about that is one of our founders i don't know if it was adams or hamilton or whatever they said is that the this experiment and our institutions only work if with a virtuous people a virtuous and faithful people so what people was he saying the values Exactly. In other words, you can only get your worldview or your values from one place. And this is why everybody says all the time is that America was founded on, yeah. right, Judeo-Christian values. And this is what I actually preached a message about this one. I brought a tree out, you know, and I hung all this stuff on there. Yeah. Freedom, liberty, ab- ability to start a family, who you're going to marry, raising your own kids, the American dream. And I put like, that was fruit on the tree. And I said, you know, that all came from the tree of liberty, which is America. And and then I said this, I said, but that tree was planted in the soil of Christianity. So the tree is not Christianity. Let's not, we got to be really clear thinking here. uh, uh, American democracy is not Christianity. Okay. Well said. You don't want it, but it grew out of the soil of Christianity, and what what new ideologies are doing is they're saying, we're going to take that tree, we're going to uproot it, we're going to plant it in a different soil, and guess what happens? It dies. It dies. So let's go back, before we talk about our institutions here and now, let's go back to the first 300 years of civilization mm-hmm. where Christianity was outlawed, Yes, and in mass, people were so convinced of the gospel, mm-hmm. they were willing Martin Luther King style yeah. to die for their values. Yeah, over and over again. So 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 walk us through how that worked in that early world and how that actually shaped western civilization. 
Well, it's really quite fascinating because what happened is uh, uh, historically, Christianity grew in really two powerful places, kind of simultaneously. It grew amongst the poor and the slaves right. like crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, so numerically, that was the the largest growth. But a lot of people are not aware is that it also grew among the uh, the oligarchy, the the okay. leadership and the rulership of. Rome. And mm. that's because Paul was arrested and he started preaching the gospel to the governors and to the proconsuls and Praetorian the Praetorian Guard. guard. Yeah. A lot of people are not aware that the Praetorians tended to be people that had started in the legions when they're, you know, 16, yeah. 17 years of age. And now 25, 30 years later, it's like, well, I, I wasn't able to rise to the top, right? right. But but I, I need a prestigious trustworthy, better paying position. So Praetorians were the, the cream of the crop that didn't become officers and leaders. Yeah. Not because not everybody is an officer and a leader, right? And so they would become Praetorians. So they 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 tended to be extremely loyal, very mature, impossible to bribe. I mean they were they were really strong they were elite forces because of that. And what you're saying then is that when yeah. those people looked to leadership, they, they found looked to them credibility. They found a group of people that had credibility yeah. built into them. Yes, and guess who was preaching the gospel to them? The Apostle Paul. And they all were like, yeah. And and this is why this relationship between Paul and the Philippian church is so powerful, because what a lot of people don't understand is that Philippi was the first 100% Gentile church. Okay. And in a lot of ways, because when you see the founding of it, guess what? There's no synagogue there. There's right, no right, right, Jewish right. presence there. Hmm. And he, and and I think in a lot of ways, that's really what inspired, because of his relationship with them, his uh, discourse on Mars Hill. Okay. Where he reasons the gospel out. And, and I, I kind of suspect, I, I don't have any evidence for this, but I wonder, is that how in, in his, re, his interactions with the Philippian church yeah, right. teach him how, I mean, he was already versed in rhetoric, sure. but it was Jewish rhetoric, right? As yeah, a right. Pharisee. Oh, totally. So he's like a lawyer. I can argue that. But now I'm arguing philosophically to people who don't have a Jewish worldview. So to go into Malcolm Gladwell's world, Philippi was essentially Paul's Hamburg for the Beatles. They got their 10,000 cycles in. He got his cycles in among the Gentiles, and he honed his discussion, which came forward at Mars Hill when he spoke to them, this God you call an unknown God, I know him, his son is Jesus Christ. And that can only happen, and this is what's really fascinating about the Philippian church relationship with Paul, is that that can only happen in the context of a loving friendship. Mm. When when you you have a friendship with people, yeah, yeah. you love them so much, and and then you I would like you, you know you've been in these situations, I've been in these situations, you and I have had these situations, and I go, man, I am just blah 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 blah, blah. and then you'll say Lit to me, up. why do you even care about that? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think about that, and it makes no difference in my life at all. And then I go, well, what does make a difference? Well, this really makes a difference. So then, what does that do to me? Is I go, oh, I need to. You know, I need to reorient 
And so this is what Matt, why? Because there's a context of a, 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 a friendship. Earned relational Earned trust. relational stuff. He had that with him, and so that honed him. And what you I love from about the beginning. that. Yeah, we saw that on Tuesday. You read yeah. from the beginning of it. Go ahead. What you love about that. Well, what I love about that is that they he's preaching to the Praetorian Guard, and he says all those guys in that Philippian church, a vast majority, and we don't know exact, but we just speculate, a vast majority of them were retired Legion soldiers. Well, yeah, and 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 here's I think probably interesting. The, I'm, again, we're just speculating again. Is they now are overseeing a guy that is truly willing to die for yeah. what he believes. Yeah, and you know, I soldiers have those com comments with them, or conversations with themselves, asking themselves, "Is this?" war we're in worth dying for is right. there no and, and is there noble value is, is it what we're doing noble is what we're doing noble mm -hmm. and what they did was i think paul got credibility among those who had credibility in rome because they looked at him go back to your point this man is both willing to live for what he believes and die for what he believes yeah and i think that that was uh, uh an overwhelming focus yeah. And the the whole notion of this relationship with the Philippian church is he says, you know, I know you feel it's a setback. Maybe I got arrested or it's bad for me and it, it bothers you, but I've been able to preach to the whole Praetorian Guard. And it, that'd be similar to like, like uh, me writing you and saying, hey, I got invited to the Yankees organization to go talk to them about Jesus. Talk to the ballpark. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. the Giants or the Angels or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, and how'd like, you get in? Yeah. It's like, how'd you well, do that? me. I tried to steal something <laughs> in the gift shop. <laughs> it wouldn't let me in. And then a few of the players walked by yeah. and I got to tell them about Jesus. Yeah. And it's just so funny because here's a funny story is I was at a conference with my wife and it was one of those um, uh, leadership conferences yeah. that was a big GLS, group, something GLS, like that, something yeah. like that. And so... This guy comes, I'm eating lunch there, right? Sure. And I, there was another guy on staff there with me. I'm, I'm eating lunch, you know, I'm just sitting there. This guy comes down and sits down and he introduces himself. And to, to today, I can't even remember this name. Um, and this other guy's talking to me and he just take, and I'm just chatting with him and he takes an interest in me and I'm talking to him, blah, 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 blah. Conversation. You know, yeah. and yeah, just having a conversation. I, I don't know anything at all. You know what I'm just talking about? And he's like, well, what are you facing? And I go, yeah, well, what are you doing? And then I, and me, I'm just like, well, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. You know, like what? Yeah. Because I'm an idea person, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, afterwards, he gets up and leaves, right? And the guy goes, do you know who you were talking to? And I go, no. No idea. And he says the name of the guy. He goes, that is the president of World Vision. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's who you you're go. talking yeah. to. So I go up and I tell Kim, who was up in the room, for some reason she was uh, uh, um, uh, having to work or something like that. And she goes, why did you to my dream is to meet this guy? Yeah. And so I'm sitting there eating lunch with him, telling him some of his ideas don't work. <laughs> Nice. Wait a minute. You're telling me that Doug, the luminary, told the guy that's running the whole thing for World Vision, I think your ideas may not be exactly right. <laughs> well, I was like, well, I would tweak it. I, I think this is the main value. The but probably walked out and thought, well, what great constructive <laughs> criticism. So here you have Paul yep. going into their world and saying this radical message. This is the radical yeah, message. Radical. Here's the People matter. People matter. And you got these Praetorians going, we spent our whole life going around the known world saying people don't matter unless you're a Roman citizen. That's right. The right. hierarchy was just powerful. Absolutely. And they had in their own hearts those same questions about the dignity of human beings. And you have to believe <clears throat> some of their friends and dear colleagues along the way 
died for useless things, died on the altar of a, some leader's ego. Yeah, all the time. And I think they realized that yep. they ultimately think about it. you said something earlier they got to the high high of what they could but they didn't get to the top they realized that there were still some who saw a distinction between their value yeah and the value of the uh, of the elites and which it was is yeah, marxism very, at its core yeah it's very it's very hierarchical yeah and it was very uh, structured that way and it was all about accolades yeah it was right. all about boy did i get these rewards and these accolades and that was the only way you could move up in society those were actually recorded in the census every five years that yeah. luke talks about sure. and dates the birth of jesus yeah, that's right. and i think that's why the american experience is so radical because it just says in a way every man has the freedom for himself you, you don't have to earn your way up through accolades. And you go back to the yeah. message that America Paul's preaching that. Yeah. To, so radical to the Praetorian Guard is all of your accolades may matter in this world, but they don't matter in the afterlife. The beginning construct, and maybe and you're the historian, you'll know this better, but the beginning, let's say the soil, to use your mm -hmm. analogy, the soil of the American dream, not saying it's righteous or anything like that, but the soil of the American dream was the idea that you mattered. And if you worked hard, you got an, you took advantage of opportunities. You took a few risks, mm -hmm. you did all sorts of things. You had an opportunity at a self-sovereign life, uh, one that pursued happiness, liberty, and was, and gave justice for all, yes. right? That, that, that concept is at the core of all that. I want to just stay in Rome for just one second, because I, I have to imagine this matter to these guys. So if I'm thinking Praetorian Guard, I'm thinking people that paid their dues, mm -hmm. that paid the price, they got mm -hmm. to where they did because of split, you know, there were guys with missing digits, Maybe yeah. with a stump leg. I mean, who yeah. knows what price had been paid? Yeah. They're they, SEAL team guys. I mean, they, they're they the, right. the cream of the crop. Now, who who ends up in their jail in Rome? A guy who has been beaten, yeah. stoned, yeah. lashed, shipwrecked, yeah. left for dead <laughs> yeah. in every measure. Yeah. And then here's this weird thing going on. Gentiles in Philippi mm -hmm. who sent people to care for a Jew yeah. in Rome who had paid the same kind of price for a different and greater cause. Mm -hmm. And the gospel spread because that happened. Yeah. That, see, that I, I, I just think that's a respect kind of thing going on. I think that people in our day and age today are desperate to know people that are authentic, that mm -hmm. believe with conviction, and live out a virtuous life. Yeah. They're, they're, they're desperate because we live in a plastic, cheap, throwaway relationship world. We live in a world that its highest ideals and goals are all around therapy. Because what I thought that was a very interesting right. thing I heard one time, is that I was talking with some people in Southern California one time, and they said, when we moved to Tennessee, Everybody talked about what church they went to. Mm -hmm. When we moved to California, everybody talked about what the therapist therapist. they went to. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, and here yeah, you have yeah. the Apostle Paul coming into a world that had all the luxuries afforded to it of the known world. Right, the Romans were the top of the food chain for that long, long period yeah. of time, and then he comes in. The gospel is spread, and it shaped civilization. So now we come to today. Yeah. There's this country called America, and America had the soil, has yep. that soil of the Christian Judeo Judeo Christian values. Uproots up, uh, up grows out that tree. Mm -hmm. That tree is, uh, if we could say, it's agnostic. It's not Christian. It's not Judeo. It's not. It's, it's a tool. Is a tool. It's the yeah exactly, and it's benefited from. It grew from a tool that grew from the values yeah. 
of inherent people. You, you talked about it Correct. before. Human dignity is a value. You have hum, You have worth because you were made with worth mm -hmm. in the image of God. Yes. Okay. So now you come in, and what happened was that tree, as you said earlier, mm -hmm. has all these institutions that were there to— and what they did was they forwarded those values and that the institution in and of itself was not the goal. The life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness was yeah. that, 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 that opportunity for people to go now live a self-sovereign life. The institution was designed to protect the core value. There you go. Okay. And now it is a bludgeoning tool to destroy those values. Yeah, because ideologies that don't have those core values have come in, right? and taken over those institutions. Yeah. And I think this is really critically important to understand is that now these institutions are being used for things that they were never intended to be used for. And so... And they have a lot of authority and a lot of power and a lot of oh, yeah. ability to move things at a big high level. Yeah, and I think like, for instance, uh, what just happened just recently is there's a school district, Caldwell Unified School District, yeah, right. which yeah. is a part of the Treasure Valley. It's the far western yeah. edge of it across the interstate. Agriculturally based community, yeah, strong, strong Hispanic uh, yeah. uh, presence and stuff like that. And they are debating whether to adopt a new policy that is a gender fluid, pro-transgender, gender affirming policy and in the school district in the school district and okay. they're debating this and the policy itself is uh saying well you can use whatever bathroom you want if there's an overnight trip you're allowed to stay with whatever gender you identify with mm. and so uh there's there's no desire now when I went to high school, I was in the band, and we every once in a while I'd have to go to these things, and you'd stay in a hotel room, yeah, and they had chaperones that stayed up all night long walking the hall Making because sure nobody got out or yeah, nobody went into yeah, the Yeah, because we don't want any shenanigans across. We don't care what kind of shenanigans you're. There's going to be none of it because you're right. all minors for yeah. crying out loud. Well, there's so, responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So what? What's interesting now is this new policy even tries to uh, modify and support that, that chaperones won't um, be involved in any type of same-sex relationships if they choose to stay in the same room together. If they identify as transgendered, they can stay with the opposite gender. And, and so the issue there is that it's not just a policy that says, hey, we, we want to try to be mindful of things people are dealing with. It's now we are going to affirm and support and propagate it. And so what's interesting now is the reason they're doing this is they said, well, we want inclusion for all. And so, okay, I don't think people are opposed to including people, but I'm opposed as a parent for you taking my seventh grader on a field trip or my seventh grader and saying, you're a female and you now have to change your clothes for gym class with a guy in your in your locker in room, your locker room. You know, I, I'm not opposed. I'm opposed to that. How in the world did we go from, hey, we want to be mindful of people and treat people with respect, right? Include them in in the 
educational process to we're going to groom and force you into sexual immorality and sexual issues yeah. and if you are opposed to this you're then, the one that's then you're the problem and it's just like okay that's a that's a huge difference i was talking there's to no my, logic to that by the way there's that's no logic, built on to that. logic that's built on frontal lobe make i do whatever i want to do please me this is my opinion and 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 instead of values being an ultimate Correct. guy, it's emotions that become an ultimate yeah. guy. And and so here here's a perfect the, what people have no discernment anymore, and that is there was a hockey player in the NHL, right? Okay, and his name is I think Popov or something of that nature, and their team decided to have a a pride event. Okay, okay, and so what they wanted to do is they wanted to put pro uh, gay pride stuff on his jersey. Right. Okay, yeah. And he just simply said, I don't want that on my jersey. Yeah. You know, he said, I I'm not going to put that. Don't put your bumper sticker on my car. Yeah. Don't put your bumper sticker on my car. And so they said, they said, why? And he just said, because that's, uh, that's my thing. I sell sovereignty. Yeah. He goes, I, I, he goes, I respect my beliefs. I go, I respect your beliefs. You do whatever you want, but you can't force me to wear the bumper sticker on my jersey. Right. I right? won't wear, and I won't tell you to wear any bumper stickers that on, I'm on yours. About yeah. On your jersey. Okay. And so it was a huge outcry, okay. and all of these yeah, people on ESPN and all these other sports writers came in. They wanted him fired. They wanted to dismiss him because they said he was a bigot and he was all this kind of stuff. Okay. And so they really went after him. What's really fascinating is, guess what? What his jersey sold out. Really? Yeah, because he just said no. And they tried to bait him to get him to say stuff. But all these people are calling him all these things. And so one of my sons was talking to me, and he sent me a tweet. He goes, this just goes shows you how brain dead people are. And I responded to it as I said, you know, it's interesting that people cannot discern the difference between there are things you shouldn't say and then things that the government requires you to say. And what's happening now That's in our society the that, that is being told, is, yeah, you, you, you have to say that. You have to say this. And that's the whole issue with pronouns. Pronouns is a, in our institutions, you have to say this. You have to address me this way. I am forcing you what to say. Which and is a violation of personal your personal sovereignty. sovereignty. Yeah. And it's about control. It's about mind control. So the, the only way we combat this, yeah. right, is if we take Paul's attitude for to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Whether and I live to, or die. And to, and to die is gain. Yeah, and to die is gain. Thank you. That is the value is where we say we're living for something so much bigger, so much greater. That's the only way these institutions can be saved. Uh, we see this in education. We see this in our justice system. We're seeing this in politics and all kinds of things. So we have to stand Even for in the science, you know, um, okay. with what's going on with the pandemic and how science was corrupted for political purposes, you know. I think the fascinating thing is that the only way we combat this is if we adopt this core value of Paul again that you're going to be preaching on on Sunday of yeah. how that is what brings clarity of focus to who we are, who we're called to be, who we're meant to be. Otherwise, we're in a losing game. You heard it again here from the Salty Pastor on a Thursday afternoon here in Boise, Idaho. Glad you joined us uh, as we talk about real things in a real world, mm -hmm. not telling you what to think, but convicting you to think. So mm -hmm. good to be with you. We'll see you again next week. Blessings.